0: Lori Hyde, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo, while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not, so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one.
1: All right, we are back, and I'm kind of curious. I First off, I just attended this conference, and you know, you go to a conference, you get like 8,000 book recommendations. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I wrote them all down.
1: Um I don't think I'm going to read them all, but I'm just curious what are you guys
2: reading right now? Anything interesting? Yes, yes. yes. Okay. I am reading something very interesting. It's kind of mind-blowing. It's called God, Human, Animal, Machine, and it is an existential exploration of AI through a critical theology lens. And if that sounds like a heavy read, it is. I had to sit down a couple of times just because my mind was throbbing with um, all of the information, also just the uh, the concerns and the implications of what we're about to uh, be going through existentially as a human species. So that's my read, a little light reading, recommend it to everyone. I just got to say, I, I was like, I'm not going to talk about
1: AI this show. <laughs> I know. Let <laughs> me bring that up. <laughs> I, you know what I, I had
2: in my mind? I was like, oh, we're doing too much AI. Everybody's doing too much AI, but I, it is literally what I'm reading. And the crazy thing is, let me throw this at you. She it's, it's just a very powerful read. And as I was reading, I was like, I think she's a man. Madison, which is where I am. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. I was like, she, it's some of these things she's saying, I look it up. Sure enough, she's here. So I sent her a fangirl message and I'm hoping she'll join me for coffee. Megan, if you're listening, I'm not as smart as you, but I would love to just hang
3: out. So. <laughs> Fun. Oh, you'd have a great conversation. You're going to have to tell us how you like the book when you finish it. Sounds like it's it's pretty deep and, and important at the same time. So It is.
2: Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's really profound. It's over my head. But I think it's important to go there, you know, so
3: Chris, what about you? I am reading and listening to They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. Mm. I've been consumed with this book since I purchased it. So, I read the introduction and then like the first 3 chapters immediately. If I would have had time the entire day to read the whole thing, I would have at at one time because I thought it was that important for me. Um, then I had a conference to go to. I purchased the book on Audible so that I could listen to it in the and I'm I listened to it again when I was mowing the grass wow. over the weekend. So I am like really consuming everything in this book and now trying to make it very actionable for our team. So oh, highly recommend it. Highly. Very cool. I've heard
1: really good things about that book from a number of people. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, I got to add it to my reading list, but yeah, again, you, <laughs> the 8, you can
2: make your like, own book out of your book. I know. <laughs> I know. So um,
1: I haven't been reading as much as I want to be, but I keep buying all these books that I keep hearing about. So I have to change that habit, obviously. Um, but the one that I kind of highlighted and put a couple stars next to at this conference is called buy back your time, get unstuck, reclaim your freedom and build your empire uh, by Dan yes. Martell. I'm, um, I don't know, just the context around the conversation and the recommendation to read this book was something that really got me intrigued.
2: So um well, yeah. Yeah. well our guest today is gonna is gonna have some good tips and advice in that arena for us, So
3: This is I, good. I figured. This is good.
2: figured. <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely. Well, I'm gonna introduce our guest, Greg Potter, today. So let me do an introduction before we formally welcome him. Um, so Greg is an inter- international collaboration coach and the founder and CEO of Project Connect, a marketing and logistics firm in Madison, Wisconsin. So Aaron, he's right next door.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, you can
3: come to coffee with me and Megan. There you go. <laughs> You're formally invited, Greg, as soon as Megan responds. He is. Uh, he has worked in the restaurant industry as a general manager, district manager, and consultant with a good amount of time spent at Starbucks in Los Angeles. I am a huge fan of Starbucks I also support all local coffee shops as well. But I will tell you that um, Polly picks up a Starbucks every day when she goes to the grocery store. So I'm just a huge fan of everything Starbucks. I love what they built. Uh, Sorry, I know some people are against that, but I am a huge fan of Starbucks. And I'm sure that there was a lot to learn in working with Starbucks. Um, Greg uses his experience and training as a facilitator, a futurist, and conflict resolution mediator to support executives and organizations as a collaboration coach. This work deconstructs collaboration and finds the best ways to lead and design the work to be more efficient and create more impactful results. Greg has a BFA in theater performance from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas and a master's in public service from the Clinton School of Public Service. And Greg Potter is my cousin, so very proud and honored to have him on the show today. Welcome (laughs) to the broadcast. Greg. Welcome, Greg.
0: Thank you so Thank much. You. And I think it's so cute that Aaron even thought I was invited. I already invited myself while I was sitting here listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I will also go to that coffee date. Thank you very much. It's
2: going to be amazing. <laughs> Maybe we should record it, Greg, and we can make our own podcast out of it. Oh my
0: gosh. I, I'm already uh, in love with it. Okay, let's do
2: it. Okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it.
3: Well, you oh. know, it's so interesting, because I, you know, when we first recorded the, Three episodes that we did together.
1: Mm-hmm. When I was
3: talking to Greg about all the work that he does on collaboration, it reminded me of episode four when we talked about co-opetition. Yes. Yep. Remember right. Right. So, yep. oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, remember that? So, oh yeah, I was really thinking about collaboration and co-opetition and how they kind of are in the same vein. So, anyway, Greg, mm-hmm. what does uh, a collaboration coach do? Can you tell us?
0: Yes. First, I need to go back to the episode. The three of you, I have to like gush a little bit i'm a big fan listen many episodes yes um, let's hear it and and it's yeah so what you're doing is very unique and it is bringing out strains of information that not a lot of people are talking about so thank you cool. okay i'll go back to what is a, what is a collaboration coach do essentially it is to get collaborations more effective and more impactful uh, that can be done either if we're working directly with a ceo or someone in the c suite and having those coaching conversations of like, okay, how did this go? Uh, Where's your ego in this? What's going on? and then the, and you know, and practicing going back while also learning my framework of collaboration, which is the life cycle of collaboration. Mm-hmm. The other way is actually bringing a collaboration coach on as a contracted employee for a while and working side by side as a facilitator and coach to the entire collaborative team. Okay. So that well can look like facilitating meetings while also, holding the team accountable to this is work time, this is not question and answer time, like this is when we're trying to get this portion of the goal or the objective finished, so then we can all come back and assess where we're at. Uh, this also is leadership development, facilitation skills development, uh, and working conflict resolution into the culture of the collaboration, which often will you know bleed into the company's culture uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes these collaborations are multi-company or multi-organization collaborations mm-hmm. where uh, then it really gets tricky or collaborations that have collaborations in them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Starting to
1: the lose. <laughs> <literally Yeah. the laughs> I'm a doll of collaborations.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, just a real quick clarification question. What I'm hearing from you and tell me if I'm right is that a collaboration coach differs from a facilitator in terms of accountability and your ability to insert yourself a little bit more into the process is that is that right
0: completely the, the facilitator is the most important unhired part of collaborations in the life cycle collaboration we talk about the importance of an unbiased facilitator what to do if you don't have the money to hire one but if you bring a collaboration coach on you can use them also as the facilitator because like you said, it's not just the facilitation it's actually stepping over boundaries and being like, now what if we tried this or this needs to get resolved and this trust needs to be rebuilt before we can even continue on the work that we're doing.
2: I really like that. I think we've all been in these situations with a facilitator that just wouldn't grab the reins. <laughs> You're like somebody help
0: Great. And when that doesn't happen, Then you do lose that trust. And if, Mm -hmm. in the most important thing to all collaborations, is to create the space that will build the trust. So the entire team comes authentically and wholly to the collaboration. Well,
1: absolutely. I've never heard of a collaboration coach before. I I mean, there's coaches I feel like for everything, and this is one thing I haven't heard. So it's really quite fascinating actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, so how does this tie into the manufacturing world? I'm sure you've got some examples to share, right?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there's a few things that a collaboration coach can specifically help with. Mm-hmm. And in the manufacturing world, there's two very big ones. One is focusing on silo mentality and bridging the silos and the communication between silos. Mm-hmm. Chris, you and I were at dinner one night. We talked big time about the, yes. um, the uh, sales team and the marketing team. Yes. And, you know, and how sometimes Those two silos are not talking at all. And they are one of, they are like together, they're the most important part often of the collaboration. So definitely that. And then, um, and then uh, increasing productivity. And that's through the communication barriers. And if we can create the space, uh, make sure that everyone trusts and shows up authentically, then we're going to increase productivity ultimately and build a bottom line. So when it comes to manufacturing, those are the two pieces that I see the most.
3: Yeah. You know, when you talk about silos, that is something that almost every organization I've ever worked Mm -hmm. with or been a part of myself, we can all identify those or people can talk about them. They know that it's a constrained area. Uh, for, you know, getting productive work completed and not just productive, but also really successful work. Something that I was thinking about when Greg was talking as well. Um, You know, I was part of a manufacturing organization that had a corporate environment and then had divisions or subsidiaries. And so often, so we, we, we will think about the internal organization structure a lot like sales and marketing, which is a real obvious one. And I know this comes up in a lot of Uh, materials that I read, but that division or subsidiary versus corporate or brand versus corporate, that is a huge area that could use a good collaboration and an unbiased facilitator to really bridge those gaps and, and make things more productive.
2: Yeah. I think part of that, when I'm thinking about manufacturing, just like the history of manufacturing, there was a lot of efficiency in that siloing. I mean, there's a historical reason why mm-hmm. this industry mm-hmm. leans so into those silos. But as we all know, in a modern environment, that's what holds you back from really reaching the next level. And so I can see where A collaboration coach would help you just get out of that culture of siloing, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's um, bringing more to the table than just a a process. It's actually an internalizing, I would imagine. Do you see that happening with your teams, Greg?
0: Completely, completely. I think of one client that was a bread uh, manufacturer, uh, a bread baker, but it was for a really like for a huge company. They said, "Why the bread for?" And those conversations of I mean the CEO was just getting so irritated about having all these conversations like but we're missing something. We're missing a positive deviant that's happening on this line, but it's not happening here. And how mm-hmm. can we bridge that? and and it's so important to slow it down. Uh, and I'm just gonna add this in with what Lori said. Yeah. this is this is brand new. Mo- mm-hmm. No one is brand really new. looking at collaboration coaches. It's a very, very uh, at infant, new career to be taking that only a certain amount of people are talking about so with it,
2: with it being so new just help us understand how it the executive suite is entertaining these ideas what are some of the questions you get um, from the C suite when they're thinking about bringing a collaboration coach in
0: definitely um, the the first one always goes the most popular always goes to the space creation and the trust building mm-hmm. you know if you especially if it's a huge company or it's a, like an RFP where one organization is right now like why is this so important we're not going to work with them all the time we're They live their lives. And and I have to go down to, well, who are you serving? What is the ultimate objective of what you're creating in this collaboration? And first calling it a collaboration, but getting there. And this is why, because each one of these humans show up to contribute to this. And that's why it's important to do even more than you think you're doing. That often leads to the second question. Well, I'm already doing this. (laughs) And then the ego starts coming up and you're like, and then it's like, okay, you're beautiful. (laughs) your <laughs> Oh, puppy. <laughs> and we can do more like uh one, one client was talking about well i we have breakfast for them every day and then i'm like okay well what time is the breakfast and what time do they start okay. and just having those conversations sure. of like where you know is this feasible or should it yeah. be moved to lunch and mm-hmm. you know like how how does this really work into what you want to see and also reminding that there is humanity in this that yeah. we are all and my new favorite term is bozos on a bus. We're all just bozos on a bus. <laughs> Each one of us are just trying to do our best. And the other bozo next to me is also trying to do their best. So um, that's a Natasha oh. Leon quote. I can't take that for myself. Sorry. Oh, she's <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. I love her so much. And then, and then it often, because it's the, when we start a collaboration, we always have to start with the self. It's so important that each person shows, knows how they're showing up to it. And when it comes to the C-suite, when we start doing that work, then there is a dismantle of the ego where it's, am I not the right person for this job? Am I, is the problem me? And then that is a, that's a beautiful place to be because then we can have real change happening because that person is the right person. They were hired to this job. They were brought on. They have, you know, like we have to scoot the imposter complex out of the way and really find out what that's mirroring in that, have those conversations. So when that change happens with the C-suite, then you can really see it changing with everyone else.
2: Wow, that's heavy work.
0: That's That's awesome. Yeah,
1: I feel like this is something that the merger and acquisition world needs a lot of because Mm -hmm. I see so many companies just merge without thinking about all of the little things that have to happen to create a cohesive team so that everyone can get on the same page again, you know, running efficiently. Is this something, um, I mean, have you seen that the collaboration coach kind of entering that space at all?
0: I actually, um, one of my really good friends who lives in Scotland was in Cape Town when I was just there. And we had a lot of time to talk about this because her company is an international company that does call centers. And they're merging. And we had a lot of conversations about like, what steps aren't to be taken and how do we get them to be taken to really do this merger properly and see the people first before we have to. And I mean, I know it's a capitalistic system and we can put all that rhetoric with it. But at the end of the day, I do believe that everyone wants the best for their employees and the people Mm -hmm. that they're bringing in to do this work together. So
3: yeah, I think that's a great example too, Lori. That's so good. Is there, before we kind of change topics, Greg, is there anything else you'd want to just add about collaboration with respect to what... You know, kind of what you see as results. Um, you know, after you've completed a collaboration activity, I feel like we've we've touched on a lot of the things that would help you identify when one might be needed. But what about some of the results, or maybe just some stories of what what happens as an outcome?
0: Well, I do want to say first that I want to identify the courage and the braveness that it takes for someone to say, oh my gosh, we want someone to work with us this. I mean, it's looking in the underwear drawer. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really, it's not just an assessment. It's not just a, you know, a professional coach or a business coach. It's allowing someone to come and like snoop around. Mm -hmm. Um, The outcomes of that are the, the productivity, whether it's that specific project, um, will go into the rest of the culture. And there will be habits changed that show up in in different portions of the company, or the companies if it's a larger, a multi-organizational collaboration so that the that those habits start changing mm-hmm. and then people are just happier because they feel they feel seen they feel heard they they know that the, the organization is doing the work to really invest to make sure that everyone has a space have her heard because this includes equity this includes dei this includes you know, it 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 just has to include it because you're already starting with yourself and each individual that is coming to the table. I hope that made sense.
3: Yeah, absolutely. For me, it did a lot. And it goes back to a word that you used earlier, that trust, I would imagine trust is really increased. And I happen to know that when you are involved in things, activities like this, there's so much vulnerability that comes in, which expands that trust amongst team members. And then that does carry into the culture afterwards, there's just a, almost a different sense of loyalty, both to the team and the company and just positive benefits that come out of that. Yeah, I hate
2: to use the phrase win-win, but it, it really is because you win as a person because you grow as a person, you become a better professional, better collaborator, but then you also win as an employee because you feel like, hey, this is a place that really respects me and that I can provide a contribution and get a sense of gratification from that. So I just, I'd like a collaboration coach everywhere I go. <laughs> right. That's really what it is at the end of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Karen, I want you to, and this is a little sneak preview to what I do in the life cycle of collaboration, but the next time you're in the grocery store, watch watch it as you go through the grocery store checkout line and look at it as a collaboration because it happens so beautifully, so effectively. We, everyone on this planet can do that collaboration so well. Oh. And if we can do that collaboration so well, Beautiful. we can do the really difficult ones really well as well. Mm-hmm.
2: That I am, thank you so much for bringing that to this conversation because I, yeah, that's that's an experience we take for granted, but maybe if we honor it, we can realize how much we're really capable
0: of. That's really great. Thank you. And you're welcome. And now you'll never look at the growth store checkout line the same
2: i <laughs> might <laughs> it depends on how long it is greg
3: let's be honest. self-service or the lines <laughs> no that's great i love that example too so greg we're curious is there something uh unique about you that nobody else knows that you could share with us or very few people know
0: i sorry you asked me this once and i did not do a really good job Listeners, they asked me right when I got on. So I just, I'm (laughs) going to call. I'm like, okay, I'm buying time. I'm buying time. I think the thing that people often look at is possible weakness, which is something about me that I love is that I really do care about how people are being held in spaces. and that shows up with you know the me pulling integrity like okay I'm you know is this person really okay in this moment is this you know and and as long as I'm still filling my cup, taking care of myself, All those things can be done. And, and that's really, really off an authentic piece of me that comes out and people don't always get. So Mm, that's
3: That's great. That's great. Thank
0: you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you.
3: All right. This is the section of the podcast or the broadcast where we move into, I just learned that. So Lori, can you finish the sentence? I just learned that.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna go back to saying I intentionally did not pick an AI topic <laughs> okay, okay. All right.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> but I went a totally different route. Um, I saw this headline twice now, so it's it's definitely newsworthy if it's being repeated. But the Wiener Mobile is being renamed oh, the Frank Mobile. I'm am a hard <laughs> boo
2: on that one. I agree. Uh-huh.
1: I I so. I think it's a publicity stunt that they're pulling right here, just to get some attention to headlines. But it's yeah, what is it? It's
2: going
3: to be the, the Frank Mobile, oh, because
1: they have a new hot dog recipe that they're promoting this year. Oh, hot, hot dog. Is it because and, what? wiener? Oh, you know.
2: Is it? Is it like a, It's a because like, you know a wiener. I mean, like what? Or is it? <laughs> <I just don't- laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know I what know. I mean. You know what
1: I mean. I, I mean, beer. sure. Okay. But, but to lean into the like summer grilling thing with Jigabobber, Purdue is also now, the chicken, is oh, now chicken. selling a limited edition beer can chicken beer. So oh, that, it's
2: a special beer that you put up but, the chicken. Yeah.
1: So Purdue is making their own like chicken uh-huh. beer.
2: Chicken <laughs> beer. Well, so I don't know crazy. what's happening this summer. It's getting weird. <laughs> it's getting well, really weird. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I wonder if you can yeah okay
1: <laughs> can you drink it or only shove I'm it up not your I mean do you really want to drink chicken beer I don't no. know I would, dr- I would no. probably drink no. any beer so. frankly if it was
2: cold I'll drink it just <laughs>
1: It does not sound appetizing at all. Well,
2: sure. But, Once it's been in the chicken, does it come in the chicken? Like, do you buy it? I don't it know it. the answer <laughs> to those
1: questions. I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna ask you what you learned, Aaron. So you can stop asking me questions. <laughs> what did you just learn? Well, this is very
2: important topic. Okay, you know, I'm. This is I'm cheating a bit. I didn't necessarily learn it, but I experienced it. There are so I'm in the midwestern United States, the middle of it and there are these horrendous fire, fire, fire forest fires that are happening far away from me northern country Canada over on the west and my air quality is crazy and it's just I feel like I'm learning in real time like first of all how much of an impact forest fires have just mm-hmm. on air quality and then just the all the different things I've been thinking about like how it bends the light and the sun is orange how it cools the temperatures and um some Oh, yeah, I'm just kind of contemplating that a lot. My husband might say I'm obsessed, but you know. Yeah. It's different. I'm learning. I'm learning.
3: Okay, I'm always learning. I'm always learning. Yeah. What about you? Chris? I just, I did have a question about the Wiener Mobile first. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Lori, I have to put you back. No, I was just curious. Do you think everybody in the country calls it Wiener? Like hot dogs? Yeah, maybe?
1: I think that that's, well, the Wiener Mobile, that's been its name
3: for For a long time.
1: 70, 80 years or whatever, how long that thing's been around.
3: Well, I just remember when I joined the Navy and I kept asking for, for where the bubbler was. And I thought that everybody. Called the water bubbler. Oh no! no. And I uncovered that people did not know what I was talking about. So I was just curious. Do everybody call? Does everybody? You're
2: going to have to translate that for our listeners, Chris. You
3: cheesehead. What's the bubbler? (laughs) A bubbler is a water, a water drinking fountain. fountain. Here we get, uh, we press yeah. the button and we get the water flows and we drink it. That That's a bubbler here in Wisconsin. A bubbler. Okay. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. I think but we
2: should say wiener a few more times though. I just,
3: I am We'll just
2: keep wiener. inserting wiener. wiener. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, mean, I, don't, know sure I don't know what's worse. Make sure we have some hashtag. Oh God.
1: Okay.
2: Wiener. AI wiener all right. I just learned. Greg, I'm sorry,
0: I love it. I just it's, learned. So I have questions too, so don't,
2: no, I'm
0: not, don't I'm stress.
2: Ready. I'm gonna go back to AI for all.
3: <laughs> we should ask AI. Let's ask. G-T, G-T. Um,
2: oh, oh, this is good. This is a clip. Pull the clip, I, the wiener clip. Okay, Greg. Well, oh, oh. I, you haven't heard what I, I was like.
0: I don't think Chris shared hers yet. <laughs>
2: Oh, right. Sorry, Chris. I, we went back to weeders. You just
3: yeah, circled <laughs> back. I had to. All right. Uh, dandelions. I just learned why people make a wish around dandelions.
1: Oh, this is more fun. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Better so than weeders.
3: If you can blow all the seeds off a of dandelion with a single breath, mm-hmm. then the person you love will love you back. Oh. oh. Fine. There are so many dandelions in my yard that <laughs> I had to <laughs> uncover. Why do we wish? Why do we tell children to wish? And I I really just didn't know. So I thought wow. I would learn that before this episode. Oh, that's lovely. Much better than the Wieners.
0: Um, <laughs> I think I'm being cynical. I'm like, okay, dandelion, let's talk about the Wieners again. Because <laughs> <laughs> now the, the Oscar Mayer Wiener song is in my head, of course, and I'm not going to sing it just in case right, But um it's attached it's all the branding so marketing wise i'm like why is it why are they doing this i don't see like are they going to Feta? Huh? you know like anyway now going to the beer can chicken i just have to say this i'm Ooh. shocked that actually that a, a brewery like miller or you know one of the smaller right. Trash here, like right uh, yes the trashier breweries like the <laughs> no i mean When we were, you know, freshman in college, daddy ice, you know, like (laughs) if they would have thought of a beer can chicken or a beer can for the chicken, it would have been top notch. Anyway.
2: Yeah. Yes. um, Good thinking.
0: Mm -hmm. What I learned recently is there is this plant, it is called the desert skeleton. Uh, There's a more appropriate word, but this little ugly plant can live up to 2000 years and it (gasps) looks like it's dying. It (sighs) looks like it's constantly dying. And I learned, yeah, that it can live up to 2000 years. Wow. It was just,
3: is it, is it a big plant?
0: Sometimes it it has tentacles and will grow out, but the ends of them are always brown. It's very, yeah. And I was, yeah, I was recently in the desert and it grows in the Karoo of South Africa and Namibia. And yeah, and I'm like, this is an ugly plant. <laughs> it is durable. that's the
2: secret to <laughs> immortality. <is>
1: <laughs> I'm Googling it right now, and I have like bones, like a skeleton bone laying on the sand. That's oh, no, that's, that's
0: not. <laughs> I'll find it and I'll email it to all of you so you can see. Yeah, it. put it in no,
2: the that's show that's notes. We'll put a yeah, big yeah, one yeah, in the you know, show notes. Yeah. Sure. yeah, I think we need to study that for longevity. Maybe it's a, I mean, purposes. it's
3: early life, it's really pretty though. And Maybe maybe oh. the one that you saw was like 1,800 years old. Because, the one I Ryan... saw was,
0: was 1,800 years old. Uh, and even the young ones were not that pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm impressed, though. I'm so impressed by this plant. Like way to go like tenacity to not die right it, wow. yes indeed
2: i wonder when it reproduces does it wait until like it's a thousand years old to have little <laughs> skeleton desert babies or does that happen earlier and it's. When's, <laughs> i will it?
0: i'll i'll send you the wikipedia page as well <laughs> oh,
2: perfect <laughs> i i feel wow you know i always feel like i'm a smarter person when we're done with this podcast but today phd Level going on here.
3: Thank you, all of you. All right, we all graduated here. Excellent. Well, Greg, um, could you please tell our audience how they could uh, reach you if they wanted to reach out to you after listening to this?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, my website is ggpotter.com. Potter, Ggpotter. Uh, you can also find me on all the socials at G. G. Potter and my email is greg2gs g r e g g well technically 3gs at projectkinect.com so i'm pretty i'm pretty easy to find uh yeah all right wonderful
3: thank you so much for being here i personally love you uh it is the first time i got to interview a family member for our broadcast Fun. Yay. Thank I you for being that.
0: Yes. Thank you, ladies.
2: Thanks. Thanks. I'm going to go to your family reunion. I'm, I, <laughs> you guys are awesome. I can only imagine what the entire crew looks like. You must be great. Please come. Right. Bring the whiskey. <laughs> All right. This is three
1: broads wrapping up. Reach out. We want to hear from you.
0: This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcast.com.